This is from Mishpacha, teen pages. And I'm actually amazed and surprised that this is not stam. This used to be material that was not even found in Jewish magazines a couple of years back. And now, not only is it in the magazines, but it's in the teen magazines, because this is what teens are going through. Lengthening Shadows by C. Rosenberg. September 13th. Mommy notices the excitement in my eyes as soon as I step into the kitchen. We got yearbook jobs today. I am so, so absolutely thrilled with mine. Me, Hebrew editor, the position of my dreams. Mommy's smile grows wider and wider as the words tumble out in my usual exuberant style. Then the door opened to admit Israel. Along with his brooding silence, Mommy's eyes grow dark and vacant. She nods and smiles at me, but she hears not a word of what I'm saying. I'll wait for Tati to get home. He'll be overjoyed. Perhaps he'll forget about Israel for a little bit. Perhaps some, some of the lines on his forehead will disappear a bit, even if it's just for a short while. Israel is always so mad, or is it sad? I don't know. When I open the door to his room, I see him lying in bed, flat on his back, doing nothing other than gazing at the ceiling. He doesn't even bother to growl that I should get out of his room. He seems to not notice my presence, even when I softly whisper his name. We rarely even ever hear his voice. When Tati or Mommy ask him something, he just grunts or nods his head. Unless he's really mad, then he will yell and scream that everyone is just out to get him. And why can't they just let him breathe? November 27th. The pen scratches out some blurry ink. I sigh. Time to get another one. Tati's study should be well supplied. I hear Tati's muffled voice through the thick door. I didn't think it was possible for Israel to become more difficult than he already is. I press my ear hard against the shaft under the door. Then I hear my mommy. What will be with him? Though I can't see through the thick oak door, I can imagine her weary, wearily wringing her hands the way she has become accustomed to as of late. Silently, I tiptoe back to my room, my heart as empty as my hands. You see, this is very interesting that people talk about having a kip at home is traumatic for the other kids. <coughs> Forgetting about the fact that it's very traumatic having a kip at home to begin with. This kid is traumatized, and the things that she considers to be exciting, she has nobody to talk to, and she's around a family that's depressed. December 7th, Tati and Mommy have gone to an out-of-town wedding. I hate when they do that. This old house's regular creaking and squeaking sounds so eerie. Israel is in the next room. I wish I was 10 years old again, and I can climb into the spare bed in his room. I wish he was 10 years old again, and my favorite playmate, my hero, my confidant. Tears blur my eyes. What's the point in wishing? You can't bring him back. Neither one of you is 10 years old. Pull the pillow over your head and go to sleep. I do that. The creaking and squeaking is barely discernible. The bricks on my chest are as heavy as ever. December 13th. Can you host the class Hanukkah party again this year, Bela asks. Your mother was so chilled about the noise and the mess last year. Can I? Of course not. No way in the world. No way of knowing which neck of the woods is real will be in. I don't need anyone to see him looking the way he does or sniffing the smoke clinging to his clothes. I'll discuss it with my mother, I tell her, though it's the very last thing I'll do. There's no way I'm chancing it. March 2nd. Just when I thought things couldn't get any worse, they did. It was inevitable. The escalation of friction, the culmination of battles, the years of struggle and confrontation have led to a place of no return. The hammers in my head are pounding at every surface within reach, 
and sleep eludes me. I turn and twist in bed, groping for solace, searching for comfort. Yet consolation will be long in coming, if ever. I cannot begin to imagine what Tati and Mami must be going through. As for Israel, he's probably blissfully asleep, spent and exhausted from his nocturnal adventures. Why must he be this way? Why? 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 Why must he test the limits time and again? Can't he see the somber place our house has become, where, only, where one only talks in whispers, and even that, only when it's absolutely necessary? Is he oblivious to the gray, now dominating Tati's hair, and the wrinkles etched around Mommy's eyes? What about me? Does anyone realize that I struggle to maintain a grip on my sanity? How I exert myself to keep up a facade of normalcy? Will anyone ever know that I consciously arrange and rearrange myself each morning until I'm satisfied that I don't betray the constant turmoil raging within me? Israel showing up close to midnight has become a common occurrence. A stormy battle ensues, after which there was a reluctant truce on both sides. But tonight was horrible, was terrible. War was officially declared. Where did Israel think, of, of these battle, think all of these battles would lead? Perhaps he doesn't bother to think. When Israel showed up two hours after his curfew, a tense silence greeted him. I heard Tati's solid footsteps, followed by Mommy's slow shuffle descend the staircase, and I tensed beneath my cozy covers. Then I threw them off, patted down the hall, and concealed myself behind the banister, observing yet remaining unseen. A part of me wished I had the good sense to get back into bed, cover myself all the way up past my ears, and drown out the scene sure to follow. Yet the irresistible pull of a stronger will prevailed. Tati unleashed years of pent-up silence, shattering the preceding stillness of the night. You will either abide by the house rules or find a different place to call home, was the final ultimatum. Azriel turned his back, marched up the stairs, and allowed the resounding echo of his slamming door to serve as a reply. Mommy's muffled cries followed me back to bed, penetrating, becoming a part of me, remaining with me long after the house had gone quiet again. I crawl back to bed for what is left of the night. Heartache meshes with anger. Why am I the only one constantly making concessions so as not to rock the boat? Am I the only one interested in smoothing the road? Why can't Israel pick up some slack? Is he so heartless? I gaze at a framed picture of Israel leading me on a mountain of rocks against a pastoral background, a summer trip of eons ago. The encouraging look on his face as he urges me forward. The protective embrace on my shoulders. I feel moist warmth on my cheeks. I am crying. Where are you, Israel? Where have you disappeared to? The Israel of old has, been, has become a hazy image in my mind, replaced by his anger, sullenness, obnoxiousness, and dare I say it, callousness. Has he no room left in his heart for his family? Has he no eyes to see our pain and our suffering? I feel guilty at the dread that rises within me when I hear his key turning in the front door. I know his appearance heralds an end to the facade of peace Tati, Mami, and I tenaciously hold on to. His presence alone is enough to set up boulders between all of us, enough to force us into an unnatural silence. He is so far removed from our world, from us. We have no words to communicate, no ideas to share, and that widens the wedge between us. It will soon be day, and I haven't slept a wink. I'm, tempt, I'm tempted to feign illness tomorrow and skip a day of school, but Mommy will see through me, and I can't do that to her. I will force myself to function. I will rein in my thoughts of dread, 
my rolling, my roiling emotions, my overabundance of tears, and go on for the sake of Tati and Mami. May 24th. Israel is like a tinderbox. The embers in his heart lie dormant, ready to ignite at any and all perceived intimidations, in, I'm sorry, any and all perceived intimations of disapproval. Then the incendiary barbs, the infl- inflammatory remarks, the caustic words all explode, directed toward anyone within firing range. His rabbeim, mechanchim, and of course, tati and mami, are all on the receiving end of his misdirected anger. The affinity between us of long ago has been replaced by fear, anger, shame, hurt. When will it all end? How will it all end? Is there any hope? June 5th. I feel horrid, absolutely, utterly horrible. There is a deep pit of nausea growing in my stomach as I contemplate the ramifications of my despicable behavior. The enormity of what I have done rests solely on my shoulders and eats away at my insides. Guilt is its fodder, feeding on my despair. My heart is heavy with self-loathing and contracts with, and contracts with pain at the link I have so carelessly and contemptuously destroyed. At the mall with some friends this afternoon, I spotted Israel. He was walking in a swagger, eyes searching, pretending to be and feel cool, but anyone giving him a second glance would be able to tap the despondent air about him. I don't know him, I told myself fiercely, fiercely after a split second's indecision. My companions continued to chat merrily, while my gaze consciously shifted directions, though not before catching a glimpse of the deep hurt and pain pooling in Israel's eyes. With Israel home so infrequently, it hadn't been difficult for me to hide my disapproval. More, my despicable loathing. Hitting him in the face like that, my rejection must have been like a punch to his stomach. Humiliating, painful, shredding the last bits of his dignity and self-worth. How could I have robbed him of every last bit of self, self, eradicated every last vestige of respect? Chewing on my lower lip, I questioned myself as to why I must always worry about his shame and hurt. What about my own? Don't my feelings count? What about the countless occasions I have given up having friends over for fear that they would meet him? What about the rug of childhood that was prematurely pulled from beneath my feet before I had a chance to taste its sweetness? What about the trouble I felt compelled to refrain from for fear of exposing Tati and Mami to any more pain at a child's misbehavior at school? How about the endless hours I spent over my notes, studying, cramming, and reviewing, so that I would get top marks in order to make Tati and Mami proud of their A-plus daughter? Does anyone care about me, or am I too successful to deserve any effort and attention? Is my classic act played so well that I have everyone fooled? The truth is that I have years of practice. My debut into the world of drama began at an early enough age to result in my now stellar performance on the stage of life. How much longer will I have to put on an act? Will I ever feel like the carefree joy I display? Once again, I wonder when all of it will end and how it will end. Is there any hope? I don't know. All I can do is to con- is continue to pray. Okay, so how many of you have had that feeling in your homes from the other kids? It's, it's really spot on. And this is each kid, in, in one way or another, is traumatized by the, the, the pain that's in their parents' eyes 
and the discomfort and the silence and the fighting and the screaming. And this is without Hatzalah and Shomrim and drugs and, and all of that. This is just the, the, the stillness in the house. It's a, it's a place of trauma. And children, healthy children like this girl, cannot grow normally. She's not normal. She's traumatized. I don't know what effect it'll have on her, but it's absolutely horrible. And that's one of the, I think, biggest things that we have to be thankful for, that whatever happens with the kip, if you do twisted parenting, your house does not need to feel this way to the other kids. True? That's the main thing. So we have to continue to make the house happy, to make the kip happy, make the other kids happy, that they should never have to have this feeling of going to sleep with all this, all this tension and pressure and drama in the house. It's geferlich for the other kids.